This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to The Art of Charm, I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best minds in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise and packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some great free drills, exercises, and eBooks that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you wanna know more about what we teach here at the Art of Charm live programs here in Los Angeles, check out the toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. There we've got a lot of fundamentals, body language, eye contact, networking, dating, attraction, negotiation, relationship management, and a lot of basics that a lot of people overlook. We've got our live programs running every single week here in Los Angeles, California, theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp, or you can give us a call here or even email me, jordan at theartofcharm.com. I read absolutely everything, unfortunately. Today we're talking with Danny Eaney. We're gonna talk about how to quote unquote fake being a good networker, even if you're an introvert, why being an introvert has nothing to do with your networking skills at all, what discipline really is and when it counts, and how Post-it notes can make you massively effective. We're also gonna talk about the skyhooks versus cranes theory of relationship building, and how to develop your genius network, making a list of people around you that will really have your back when it counts. So enjoy this one with Danny Eaney. But tell us, you're the guy behind Firepole Marketing, but that doesn't mean a lot to people who haven't heard of Firepole Marketing. So why don't you, why don't you tell us who you are and, and why any of us should should find that important or salient in any way in our daily lives. Sure. Well, so I, I run Firepole Marketing. I'm the dude behind Firepole Marketing. And what we do is we teach online marketing, which I guess a lot of people do, but we do it with a focus on audience and engagement building. So whereas most people have something to sell and then they're looking for a way to sell it, we teach people in, in philosophy and in practice to put the audience first, to put the people you want to serve first, build a connection with them and start with that and let that be the driving force behind your business. Okay, so basically, are you doing this marketing in a way that that is sort of abundant instead of scarcity? So like give value, teach people how to learn things from you versus like if you don't buy this right now, you're gonna miss it and then everyone's gonna hate you forever. Uh, we absolutely do. We're very much in the mindset of abundance and, and contribution and helping other people grow. But it's not just about wanting to give because you can be giving a ton if it's not what people actually want and need. It's what you kind of think they need then it's not gonna be very helpful. Okay, gotcha. So tell us why, since most of our audience is not entrepreneurs and things like that, how are some of the principles that we're gonna talk about here gonna be applicable to them before they go, oh, this is for internet guys, and switch off to the next thing? Oh, that's a great question, and it's something that comes up a lot just in my day-to-day -day conversations. I don't see business in general being about what most people think it is. People usually think business is about making money, and I don't think that's what it is. Business savvy really comes down to being able to sustainably and effectively get done whatever it is that you want to get done. And part of that is about, you know, there, there's some real, you know, dollars and cents business skills 
that I don't think we're going to talk about on this call. I don't think that's really the focus here. But a lot of it comes down to just understanding people, interacting with people, and understanding yourself as you put yourself into these positions. And, you know, as we discussed kind of leading into this, what would probably be interesting to our listeners is a little bit about the skill set that I brought to the table to bring this business, given that it's a business that is very much driven by people and relationships. And I'm not the raging extrovert life of the party that most people expect you to be if you're going to have success building a business that's built on relationships and networking. Excellent. So yes, networking is a hot topic. We talk about it a lot. It never gets old, although some people say, you're just repeating content. You talk about networking too much. I would imagine those are the same people that have a stack of books on their shelf about how to be an entrepreneur, and then they have like a day job and aren't really applying anything. You are a good networker, and as people who are good networkers know, the topic doesn't get old because if you learn one quick thing to help you become better at relationship management and networking, you just paid for that time invested and made a ton of money on top of it, most likely. Would you, I mean, would you agree it's the most important thing you can do in your business generally is creating the relationships to support yourself? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we could make a list of the 10, you know, number one most important things. There's a bunch that would make the list, but Connecting with people, understanding people, building relationships, it's got to be way up there. And I will just, I want to correct one thing you said about me being a good networker. I've learned to fake it. Okay. But what does that really mean? It means, you know, people who are, you know, natural good networkers, they're the ones who can walk into a room and feel confident and comfortable right away. I'm not that guy. I've never been that guy. You know, when I go to a conference, and I'm walking down the stairs to the conference hall and I hear, you know, the hustle and bustle of conversations and, you know, all these strangers talking to each other, I feel my heart drop in my in my chest. And in the back of my mind, there's this voice that's like, maybe I can just bail and go back to my hotel room and watch like reruns of Chuck on Netflix. Gotcha. Okay. But I force myself and I do it anyway. Okay. So it's kind of like you're fighting your introverted nature? Pretty much. Okay. Have you always been that way? Um, I've always been that way, yeah. That's okay. just who I am. And I've I've gotten better at faking it when when I need to. Okay. So how do we this is a great bullet, right? How do how do we fake being a good networker if we're really an introvert? Uh, well, it, it's important to understand what an introvert is and what it isn't. Um being an introvert doesn't mean that you're shy or you lack people skills or you're not comfortable around people. It means that being around people doesn't energize you. It drains you. Mhm. And that doesn't mean you can't do it. You absolutely can do it. You just got to recognize that it's going to be tiring. So I've long since given up on the idea that I'm going to get on a plane, fly to California. I live in Montreal. So, you know, fly across the continent, land there, and then hop off the plane, take a quick shower, and go to a networking event. There's no way I will have the energy level to do that. The next morning, I can do it. But kind of recognizing and respecting my own limits. And it used to eat me up. Because, you know, I I, have, I did fly across the country to go to this thing, and it's a two-day event or a one-day event, and so the the drinks the night before, like, that's, it's, it's an important connection opportunity. So um, I would feel like I'm missing out. I'm, I'm, you know, blowing an opportunity. But it's, it's just not, you know, you've got to do the best with what you're capable of doing and not try to make the best of everything because, you know, we're human. I got you. There's a lot in there. I want to take this back a couple notches because... What I think a lot, of, I hear this a lot, and I'm sure you hear this a lot too when you talk about this subject, is people say, oh yeah, you know, networking is great, it's easy for you because you're just this obnoxious loudmouth. That's what they're saying to me. I don't know what they say to you. 
But, you know, for me, I'm an introvert. I can't do that. And I'd like to poke some holes in that because you that was one of the first things you said is, no, you can still do it. It just doesn't energize you. Can we can we dive into that a little bit? Because I think getting rid of that excuse process of, oh, well, you know, I'm an introvert. That's a really convenient excuse for a lot of people to talk about how they're not moving themselves forward. Because believe it or not, and no one's going to believe this, actually. I don't even know why I preface with that. I am, by the definition that you just gave, also introverted. I like my alone time. When I go out, I love hanging out with people, but it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like, all right, I'm ready to hit the day now. I just had a social engagement. It's the opposite. So I am also technically an introvert, but nobody in their right mind would listen to the show, hear the way the things I talk about, see me at an event and go, man, that guy, he, he can't even leave his house. He's so shy. That's not me. But yet people who have the same thing, the same introversion, use it as an amazingly convenient excuse to just never do anything social or never do any networking. I agree with you a thousand percent. Let's let's dive into it. So why? So let's talk about the definition again. It, do you have any sort of like the sciency stuff behind it? I mean, not too heavy duty. I don't need brain chemicals and molecules. But you said it. It has to do with the difference between how you maybe view social interactions. Sometimes they energize you. Sometimes they don't. What does that really mean? And so this is not something that I'm an expert on, but I, I have looked at the work of people who are experts, like Susan Cain. Some people, when you're around other people, when you're in a crowd, it energizes you, it fires you up. And I mean, you don't have to look far. I mean, I have people who work with me on my team, and I see it. You know, I'll, I'll take Megan, who works with me, she's been on my team for about four and something years, we'll go to a conference together, and there'll be hundreds of people. And we walk in, and as the clock ticks, and it doesn't have to go very long, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, you see her getting more and more energized and more excited. She's very much an extrovert in that sense. She gets her energy from being around people, from interacting with people. And as the same time passes, I'm more and more tired and more and more drained. Different people work in different ways. Now, I can talk to people. I can have conversations with people. Here, you know, you and I are having a great conversation. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy it, right? Introverts can have friends, can enjoy hanging out with friends. But it's kind of a, a matter of what energizes you and what doesn't. Okay, and by energize, you kind of mean like feeling good afterward, feeling, I guess the, there is no better word for energize. It's like a workout. If you work out moderately, you're like, this is great, I'm ready to crush the day. And if you work out super hard, you're like, I need to go to sleep and I'm sore and I need to eat something and crash. That's exactly it. So it's the difference between people who go to a social engagement and feel like, man, what's next? When can I keep this train a-rolling? And the people who leave and go, oh, okay, I need a glass of wine in my book. That's, that's exactly right. It's the difference between at the end of a fun party, being the guy who's like, you know, wow, that was great. Now where's the after party? It's going to be even better. And the guy who's like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Now I'm ready to go home and have some alone time. Okay. So being an introvert really has nothing to do with your networking skills. If you look at networking as a skill set as opposed to something that extroverts do. I almost said outroverts. Um, if you're an extrovert then or an introvert, it doesn't matter. Networking is a skill set. Would you agree with that statement, I guess? Is a... I absolutely agree with the statement. I'll just say that if you're an extrovert, you're more likely to naturally gravitate to more situations where you'd have an opportunity to practice those skills. And so you're, you're more likely to have had practice and gotten better at it over a lifetime. Right, yeah. You might be coming in with more. But one thing that I say about a lot of different skill sets, especially when it comes to networking, is you can actually become better at this process than somebody who's born with it 
quote unquote, if you practice and you set up a really good process. And and I know this because I wasn't born into a good network and yet a lot of my close friends, when I went to, I went to Michigan Law and a lot of the people there were like, there's some old money people and people whose parents are powerful and they were born into these awesome networks where like, oh, my dad works for this law firm, my dad is a federal judge, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, my dad's an auto worker and he doesn't even know any lawyers, I don't think. So I'm not coming in with that like, oh, you want a clerkship at a really prestigious courtroom? Just talk to my daddy. Like, I don't, I didn't have that. So, but I did find that when I started doing this stuff consciously and really putting an effort in, my network and the power behind my network was much better than the people who just went to a great prep school. I think it makes perfect sense. I mean, whenever we look at real high achievers, we love to kind of celebrate the mystique of the incredible natural talent that they're born with. And there's no question that they're born with talent. I mean, Michael Phelps was born with a lot of natural talent. But the guy also trains five hours a day, right? Yeah, of course, of course, exactly. Yeah, he trains a lot. You know, there's no getting around it. Well, it's even easier to look at somebody and say, oh, well, you know, you have this because X, Y, Z. And, you know, you're a good networker because you're a good talker. Well, yeah, I mean, I that's for sure. If you listen to the earlier episodes of this show, they stink. So there's clearly a skill set to be generated here. And instead of chastising people for not doing it or using your own introvertedness as an excuse, then, then we can move forward from here. I actually saw a quote, someone showed me this the other day as by like a professional bodybuilder or something like that. He said, people come up to me all the time and they say, man, if it were, if it were my job to lift weights, I'd be jacked and strong just like you. And he said, no, you wouldn't. You would be sitting around playing Xbox all day because if you're weak, you're weak. If you're weak, it's because you're weak. It was something like that, and it was it was like hardcore, you know, it was one of those inspirational quotes that fitness people love, but I think it applies great here because a lot of times people who think, oh, I'm not good at networking, I'd be great at networking if, you know, I was naturally an extrovert. No, you wouldn't. You'd just be sitting around doing something else with your time, and you'd be making the same excuse saying I'm an introvert even if you're not. Because I think most people who are introverted, or say they're introverted, I should say, they're, they're not, they just say that because it sounds better than saying I'm too lazy or scared to develop this skill set and make it happen for myself. Yeah, either that or it takes discipline to develop a skill. And I think the idea of discipline is something a lot of people don't really get their heads around. They think it's about having the willpower to force themselves to do something that they don't want to do. And I don't think that's what it is. I think discipline is about having the presence of mind to choose what you really want instead of what you feel like in the moment. And I think to a certain extent, you're right. A lot of people lack discipline, but also, you know, maybe it's, maybe people just don't want it enough. Yeah, I, I think that's very true. And I love that. The definition of discipline is so true. It's, it, I'm thinking of eating when you explain it, right? Like, man, I really shouldn't eat this massive pizza, even though my friends are going out for pizza. I should get something healthy, but I really want to eat this piece of pizza. Screw it. Diet starts tomorrow. I mean, I know people listening have done that. I certainly have. And, I've uh, done it too. It's because I'm an, done it. It's because I'm an undisciplined ass when it comes to that sort of thing, or at least I have been in the past. So how do you get ahead? I mean, do you get ahead by doing a really good job at the things you're asked to do, or is there some other initiative? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the underlying why does networking even matter? Why does the stuff we're talking about even matter? Because whether you're running a business, whether you've got a career and you want to get ahead, just doing well is not enough. You know, having a set of tasks, a set of responsibilities, a set of challenges, and performing well at them, that's not what really gets you ahead because the things that are looked for, whether it's, you know, you're running your business, you want to find clients and partners and whatever, or, you know, you just want to be 
promoted. You want people to come to you with opportunities. They're looking for initiative. They're looking for someone who steps forward, who looks forward. And so you can't just kind of do a good job and leave it at that. You've got to look for the opportunities to do more. And, and that really comes down to interacting with people. Okay. And so that skill obviously becomes paramount. It, it absolutely does. If, if you're not interacting with people, you're not going to know what are those opportunities for you to do more. So how do we start looking at what sort of relationships and people skills to develop? Because we talk about that a ton on episodes of this show. We teach people loads of skills, but how do you teach us how you look at the relationship building process? My approach has always been to focus on the person who's in front of me. And I mean, that might sound, yeah. you know, really slick. It might also sound like a real cop out. Like a cliche. Just be in the now, man. Okay. Yeah. And I'm totally not in the now. That's so not me. <laughs> but like, it's very easy when you're talking to someone to let your mind wander to, you know, the thing that you want to pursue and the other opportunity that's out there and the other person who's across the room who might be able to do something for you. The focus should always be on the person who's in front of you. So if you're talking to someone, be interested, be curious, right? Ask questions. And if you're like legitimately not at all interested, like there's nothing interesting about this person, you know, just excuse yourself and move on to a different conversation. Talk to somebody else. But, you know, there's something interesting about most people, not everyone. You know, I've definitely been in those conversations where it's like, wow, I've just got to get out of this. But most people have something interesting about it. And if you just see it as your mission to find out what it is, to ask questions, not to talk, not to share, just to ask them questions, that's not a hard thing to do, right? We can all ask questions. People like to talk about themselves. And people also like to reciprocate. Eventually, they're going to start asking you questions. And all of a sudden, it turns into a real conversation that turns into a real relationship. So just being interested, being curious, looking for what is interesting about this person and asking questions will get you very far. And, and the really cool thing there is that if you're real, really curious, if you do ask these questions, what will emerge very naturally are opportunities for you to help this person, whether it's with some advice by sharing some experience that you've had or some anecdote, whether it's by actually solving their problem with your expertise and your insight, whether it's by introducing them to someone else that you know who might have some knowledge or resource or expertise that could be useful. The more you ask, the more you're going to understand what it is that they're looking for, and you can kind of just have it in the back of your mind that this might be useful. And the more you're going to know about what they do, so the next time you talk to somebody else who might need something that they might be able to help with, you can make that connection too. Perfect. One of the things that I, I kind of want to chomp down on is you, you ask a lot of questions and you're interested in the other people and you can keep things in the back of your mind that would be helpful. One of the things that I'll actually do, and I don't know if you do this or not, but I'll, I'll write that stuff down. And people go, how do you do that without them knowing? And I'm like, I, I don't. I just literally write it down and say, hey, I might know someone who can help with that if you're interested. Let me just write it down and I'll whip out my phone and I'll write it down. It might be a little weird. Whatever, I'm weird. People expect it. But also, I don't think it's that bad to say, hey, I want to help you with this, and if I don't write it down, I'll forget. That's pretty human, right? I, I don't think it's bad at all. I, I do the same thing. I think it's a good thing. It says, it sends a really strong message. Look, I'm not just kind of making small talk waiting right. for the next conversation. I want to do something about this. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to get it done. And as a plus, when you email them later that day or the next day, kind of following up on that note, you're demonstrating a follow-up ability, a dedication 
that is really powerful. Yeah, and quite frankly, pretty rare. I was talking on a show this morning, uh, being interviewed, and they said, what's the one quality that you would say that a lot of entrepreneurs who are not successful lack? And I was like, follow up. And they're, and they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, execution? I'm like, no, I mean, just simply replying to an email or doing what they say they're going to do is shockingly rare to the point where when you find people that do that, they're almost bound for success just because the bar is so low. It's sad and awesome at the same time. It's unbelievable. It's awesome for the people who can, you know, get it together enough to answer their emails. I, I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, and it's like, I'll, I'll share. I mean, I'm... I've built a lot of my productivity systems and processes just around the fact that, you know, I have my own personality quirks like everybody does. I'm very mildly obsessive compulsive, like, you know, not enough to be diagnosed, but enough that, you know, if I have pages on my desk, they're at right angles kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when an email comes into my inbox, it's like, it's a to do, it's sitting there. And so I've got to get rid of it. So I've got to deal with it and get rid of it. And that's kind of how I manage just getting my emails done. So I, I always answer emails quickly. I turn around answers to everything in 24 hours. And if I email someone and I don't hear back in a few days or in a week, and if, if you know, God forbid, but not because it happens all the time, like I've got to chase after someone, email them a second time, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I lose some respect for the person. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it depends on the context a lot of the time. But for me, when I have to be like circling back, people are like, oh, yeah, sorry, things have been really busy. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, oh, yeah, you know who's also really busy? everyone mm-hmm. except for a lot of them got back to me and and you didn't and and sometimes you know i used to be like oh they don't value you know coming on the show or whatever it is and and then i just kind of realized no they're just really disorganized mm-hmm. yeah you should it, we can't take it personally no 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 a few years ago though i was i was like oh they don't think we're important enough or insert me trying to read their mind here right of course but at the end of the day i looked at it and i was like wait a minute because if I said, oh, that's okay, if you're busy, we can just not do it. They're like, no, 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 I want to do it. And I'm like, well, then why didn't you reply to the email? It doesn't seem that hard. And it's not like I'm emailing them the next day, like, hey, where is this? I mean, I'm giving some people like two weeks to a month to answer some basic questions and, and get set up. That's That just means you're just not checking your inbox. There's 8,000 messages in there and you don't even know what's in there anymore. And the whole I'm busy thing, I'm, I'm sorry, it just it doesn't fly. I know too many people who are unbelievably busy. I mean, I get hundreds of emails a day. I answer them all. Seth Godin, who, you know, I'm not pretending he's a close personal friend. He's not, I wish. But like, you know, on the couple of occasions I've emailed him or Chris Gillibo, you know, you get an email back right away. I was going to use Seth as an example. Um, and even people who are, who, well, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, even people you think will never get back to you, and I guess it may depend on how you fall through their filters, but like guys like Tim Ferriss, you can expect a reasonable response within a reasonable amount of time most of the time, even from him. And he's Mr. I'm unreachable, right? That's like his whole thing. So, mm-hmm. but he's together, he's organized. So if it's important, it'll come back. Um, so it always surprises me when people who are like, this is my thing that I'm working on and I need to get promotion. I really want to come on your show and, I'm, and they're pitching you. And then you, you talk to them and they can't get their, their friggin' bio out to you in less than a month. It's just like, oh, this is going to be something that screws up your workflow and your productivity, and quite frankly, your level of success will be limited by this bad habit, or lack of good habits maybe is a better way to explain it, until you fix it. It will literally stop you from becoming, from fulfilling your potential if you don't fix it. And that's, that's why I'm being so, I think a lot of people are like, okay, we get it, answer your email. This is the one thing, and yes, there's probably a lot of one things. This is one major thing 
that I think people really blow it. And I think it limits you from your full potential if you cannot systemize and get organized and zero out your inbox and make it work. I think you'll see that if you're in a business right now, if you set aside time, and no matter how busy you are, to zero out your inbox and make that a habit, you're gonna be like, holy cow, I can't believe the results I'm getting. And you'll figure out that some things aren't a good use of your time and you will eliminate them, not just let them sit in your inbox and cloud your workflow. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, th I think, you know, just answering your emails in a timely manner, it's not going to make you successful, but not doing so will impede your success so yes. much because it's, it's a hygiene factor, right? I mean, you know, you're not going to, if you don't shower for a week, you're going to be miserable. Showering isn't going to make you happy, but like it's a hygiene factor. You've just, you've got to do it. That's a really good way to put it. You're right. We've talked a little bit before, before we even came on air here about skyhooks versus cranes. And this is something I feel like I've heard elsewhere, probably from you. But tell us what that is. That's an interesting way of looking at relationship building. I'm sure. So I can't take credit for the idea. I read it in a philosophy text um, a long time ago. But the idea, so, so I'll, I'll explain the metaphor first. So if you want to get you know, way up high in the sky, you want to build a giant skyscraper. There's the fictional way of, of how you can do it, which is install a hook up in the sky, sky hook, you know, it's attached to nothing, and you use that to hoist things up. It, it sounds great in theory, except, you know, obviously you can't do it. You can't just install a hook in the sky and go up to wherever you want. What you can do is use cranes. And what's really interesting, if anyone's ever spent some time hanging around a job site, they'd know this, is that the way you build a giant crane is with smaller cranes. Right? So a smaller crane can build a bigger crane that can build a bigger crane that can build something enormous. And starting with something really small, you can get to really big things in that way, but you can't just kind of build a skyhook in the sky and shoot right to the top. And it works that way with relationships. And I see this with people who are getting into business a lot, obviously, because that's who I deal with. But you see it in, in you know, professional and, and career contexts, too, where we kind of look around, whether it's in our professional peer group, whether it's at uh, our university, um, whether it's in our business setting. And we make a list of like all the people that, you know, I wish these were all in my network. So, you know, if I were going to shoot for the moon here, maybe I'd make a list and I'd say, you know, I wish I was good buddies with Tim Ferriss and with Seth Godin and, you know, fill in the blank, you know, another 10 awesome, awesome people. And the skyhook would be like to send them all an email and say, you know, hey, you don't know me, but could we please be friends? <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, that's never going to happen, right? That's No, that's so weird. <laughs> Just the, the, reading that in my, my head is terribly awkward. And creepy. Because, I mean, you know, you sound well-intentioned. They want to be nice, but it's like, um, I don't even know what to say to that. I think I'm just going to pretend it didn't arrive in my inbox. That is, have you ever, I mean, you've never, have you ever gotten anything like that? I get a lot of email. Um, <laughs> I've not in so many words, but yeah, um, I get stuff like that occasionally. And I, I, I always appreciate the sentiment, but nobody's ever turned into a close friend as a result of something like that. Wow, that's insane. That is so funny. Okay, well, so we need the crane. So how do we start to go about this in an effective way then? By paying attention, being curious, and helping the people who's, who are right in front of you. Because people know other people. People introduce you to other people. The more helpful you are, the more you're likely to, to connect with people who are going to appreciate it. And I mean, it sounds, you know, often the people who are more introverted, um, less networking oriented, they also tend to be more like quantitative, analytical type people. 
and and the I, I get it because I'm very much like that in a lot of ways. And it's challenging because what I just described sounds like a very fuzzy, amorphous process, right? It's like, you know, well, I'll be nice to someone and then they might know someone, but I don't know who they know and they'll make an introduction and, you know, I'll get to there. And it sounds an awful lot like some kind of fuzzy sense of karma. And, you know, I, it is fuzzy, but it also, it, it really does work this way. Um, a lot of the introductions, a lot of the connections that I've made, and I'm, I'm sure you can share a lot of stories as well. It wasn't premeditated. It wasn't, you know, oh, I'm going to be nice to Jordan because I know he has a friend that, you know, is this guy who has a friend that's that guy. And, you know, that's going to lead me to be good buddies with, you know, Richard Branson or something because it never works that way. If I was, you know, sucking up to Jordan to, to get an intro to his friend who has an intro to his friend, Jordan wouldn't make that introduction because social connections don't work that way. You know, Jordan might, if he doesn't see through it, which he probably would, he might introduce me to someone else in his network because, you know, it's not quite that organized or controlled. So there's a certain amount of being, you just got to be willing to kind of surrender yourself to the process a little bit, which sounds kind of flaky as I say it, but it's it's true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The, the other thing is, if you're using a relationship with, for example, me to get to those people, it's either going to be painfully obvious or it's going to be so much work for you that it's it's not worth faking it. Because you're either going to have to earn my trust through a lot of actual trust building and hanging out and being cool, and I'm either going to buy it or not. It's not like you can go, hey, Jordan, let's grab coffee one day. I'm going to be like, great. And then we go have a cup of coffee, and you're like, so, can you introduce me to Seth Godin, Tim Ferriss, and blah, 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 and I'm going to go, oh, yeah, cool, because since we had coffee, that's totally appropriate. It's just not going to work like that. So it doesn't make sense to even try to do that in the first place. I think sometimes people think about it like that when they're looking to get something from other people. But again, right, that's not what networking is. It's more more about giving and generosity than it is about taking. And if you look at it the wrong way and looking at it in a way to take from others, you're not going to last long in this in this game at all because it's people are going to smell a rat and you're going to find yourself painted into a corner with nobody willing to vouch for you or introduce you to anybody. And it's very counterintuitive because, you know, givers absolutely gain. But if you give with the intention of gaining in kind of this very transactional way, it doesn't work. Yes, for sure. Transactional and keeping score and things like that do not work for building relationships and for networking. That we've covered for sure. What about creating large volumes of relationships versus small, deeper, more connected relationships? I mean, at at sort of a microcosm level, you can even look at it when you go to a networking event. A lot of people ask me, should I talk to a ton of people? You know, oh, I failed at this networking event. I only talked to like four people for the whole time. And I said, actually, I'm pretty sure you're doing it right because those four people will remember your name instead of 20 people that have your business card and it's going in the recycle bin. Do you advocate one approach over the other or do you kind of like make as many as you can? What do you think about that? My approach has always been to go deep. But then again, my approach is informed by who I am. And, you know, I'm not comfortable hopping from conversation to conversation and like, you know, reintroducing myself for the 14th time. It's, it's exhausting to me. So I'll find, you know, one person, talk to them. And at some point, you know, someone will come into the conversation. I'll branch into a different conversation, but I try to go deep with my relationships. Um, I think there's a trap there in that I think people could listen to this and kind of see that as license to go to a networking event with a buddy and spend the whole time talking to the buddy. I think it's important to talk to at least, you know, two, three, whatever, a small number of strangers whenever there are strangers around. But as long as you've 
kind of broadened your network a little bit as long as you've created an opportunity to connect with someone if they're really someone you want to connect with then i'm always in favor of quality over quantity because you know a good relationship will lead to more stuff and it'll lead to more of the right stuff you know if there are 20 people in the room and they're all different and you know some are going to be really interesting but the ones that you connect with the best are most likely to hang around with more people that you're likely to connect with well anyway Now back to the show. Yes, of course, and naturally highlighting. One thing that makes sense to highlight is that if I go to an event and I talk to four people and they're four people that I really connect with and I really like them, those four people can each introduce me to, let's say, two people each, right? So now I've got eight introductions from them as well as the four people that I just met. And that's only two people. Two introductions over the lifetime of a friendship is um, it's next to nothing. You're probably gonna get 10 times that over the course of a couple of years alone, especially if they're good networkers. Versus, so let's say we've got those 12 that happened within the first couple of weeks, versus going to that networking event and trying to talk to 12 people, none of whom are gonna remember you because it's gonna be very tricky to develop any sort of rapport with 12 people in a short amount of time it actually does more for you because it has sort of a, a ripple effect throughout the network because people who are willing to make intros, who like you, who can vouch for you, can really throw you to some other high quality people versus those 12 surface relationships that might pan out into something and probably won't. Yeah, that's completely right. A, a good hack actually, just to kind of operationalize this a bit when you're at an event like this, is people often see the win as getting someone's business card, giving your business card, and it's totally not the case. I actually, I don't hand out business cards. I only give it to people if they've explicitly asked me for it. And realistically, if I haven't asked for someone's card and they give it to me, I'm probably going to throw it away. The win should be asking for someone's card because you want to follow up with them and meet with them for coffee to learn more about what they do. Yeah, It's a win if you kind of take the relationship out of the event. That's really good. It's a win if you take the relationship out of the event. I like that because that's really the true measure because otherwise you're just looking, well, it's like when we talk about dating stuff, guys are like, yeah, I got a phone number. It's like, who cares? Is she going out with you? Are you talking with her? Is she your friend? Who cares if you got her phone number? You can get, I can get a lot of phone numbers in the yellow pages around the internet. They're equally valuable or, or non-valuable. And that's the same thing with business cards. Yeah, man, I got this guy's business card. Really? You, you couldn't have Googled the phone number or email for the same person? Because that's all you have when you have the card. And if they have yours, I'll tell you what I do with business cards. I will politely accept them, and I will throw them away. And if I like who I'm talking to, and I, I will email them before I throw it away. I never keep those things. So there's almost no purpose to handing them out. You're right, it's only a logistical hurdle. It's not any kind of accomplishment. Your card, their card is just a convenient way to disseminate contact information for the purpose of meeting up or doing something outside of that event. That's great. I really like the dating analogy because, you know, in a networking context, we're like, well, I need more connections, this, that. But, you know, if you go to a party and you meet a girl that you like and you spend the whole night talking to her, there's no question that that's a win as opposed to having, you know, chit-chatted with a dozen girls. Right, none of whom will remember you, and you get three Facebook ads the next day with them liking all the pictures of you and your ex-girlfriend. Not, not healthy. <laughs> I think I just jumped off track there, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Don't pretend you don't. Um, how do we keep track of all of these relationships? Because 
even if you're only, let's say you go to networking events once a month and you talk with one person each time, you're still, after a few years, going to have just an unmanageable number of people to remember each time. Uh, well, I, I challenge a little bit. People can manage more relationships than they think. But yeah, it's easy for, you know, you meet someone, you can really like them. There are definitely people I know that I really like. And it just, you know, it, it, it's not practical for me to see them or interact with them very often. You know, there are people that I have enormous amount of professional respect for. I really enjoy spending time with them. Um, actually, a good example is a guy, I'm going to be in Austin in a few weeks, so I'm going to have dinner with him. Um, I think the guy is brilliant. I, I totally love him. He's a great guy. We're good friends in a professional work capacity. But his business is kind of not very similar to mine. So we don't get a chance to do business on a regular basis. We don't get a chance to interact regularly. So it's easy to let those things slide and be like, oh, wow, it's been like nine months since I talked to Sean. And for stuff like that, it's really helpful to have a tool to help you follow up. And the tool that I really like is called Contactually. And it plugs, I know it plugs into Gmail because I use Gmail. Um, I'm pretty sure it plugs into other stuff as well, but you know, I don't work for Contactually or anything. So <laughs> people can go to contactually.com and investigate. But basically what it'll do is it lets you put people into buckets. So let's say you have a bucket of these are people I want to be following up with every 60 days or whatever. And when people set this up, I really encourage you to be conservative about how often you want to follow up with people. Like don't be like, yeah, I'm going to follow up every three weeks because that's more than you think when you're first setting it up. So every 60 days, every 90 days, whatever. But just put the bucket, put the person in the bucket and first of all, it's not a CRM. It's not a whole other system. You can set up to just send you an email in the morning saying, here's one person you should follow up with today. But because it plugs into Gmail, it's smart enough to know if you did. So if, you know, let's say I put my friend Sean in this bucket saying, I want to follow up every 60 days. I want to be in touch with him. And I set it up today. And then in a month and a half, I happen to see an article that I'm like, wow, Sean's going to love this. I just forward it to Sean. Or Sean reaches out to me. He's like, hey, I just you know saw this, thought of you, or I have this question. We interact a little bit. I don't need to follow up with him again two weeks later. Contactually smart enough to know that because it's inside of Gmail. So every time you interact with someone, the clock will reset. So it'll just serve as that reminder. And that's a really useful way of kind of staying on top of things without having to become, you know, all anal with like spreadsheets of your contacts and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be really tough. In fact, uh, I, I know John Corcoran, also an awesome networker, does a video on how to use Contactually really well. And uh, we can throw that in the show notes for people who are like, oh, how do I get started with this? Because he's actually one of the few, he's the one who introduced me to that and uses it well, has a system, et cetera, and really encourages people to use it. So we'll definitely throw that in there as well. Very, very fittingly seeing as, I mean, he showed it to me as well and he introduced me to you. Oh, that's right. So yeah, and enjoy that plug on our behalf. Uh, you also talked about creating something called the Genius Network, which is funny because I just spoke with Joe Polish like a couple of days ago and that's that's his, uh, that's his, trademark or whatever so hopefully we have to we don't have to pay him a royalty or anything but tell us about that and, and what is that and how do we do that because i want more geniuses in my network and, and hopefully that's that's what that is so this is this is totally drawn from joe polish this is stuff i learned from him um so you know full props to him for the idea but it's basically the idea of finding the people in your network who stand to contribute the most to your medium and long-term success, kind of looking at your network, looking at all the people you know, and you can get all you know, nerdy and take a list and just write down a million names and just put little stars next to the most important ones or whatever. 
And it's not by strength of relationship. It's not by anything other than these are the people who you respect and appreciate the most, who are most in a position to be able to help you. Not necessarily who have the most reason to be able to help you, but the people who just they could if they wanted to. And once you've got your short list, forget about what you want from them. Forget about what they can do for you and work really hard to think about, well, what could I do for them? How can I contribute? How can I add value to them? And this is really important because when you reach out to someone saying, you know, hey, you don't know me, but can you do this for me? It's already way too late. You know, you've got to, you've got to make deposits in that, you know, bank of social capital or whatever way before you need it. That's how, you know, banks work. Okay. So, so basically build, dig your well before you're thirsty type of thing. Exactly. Managing that, of course, using contextually, figuring out ways to help these people. What if, and I, I get this all the time and I address this all the time, but what if I don't have any money or I don't have any other important contacts? How do I start helping people? By doing everything you can and by working hard. I'll, I'll give you a great example of this. So in the beginning of 2011, this is when I was just starting Firepool Marketing, we were like right at zero, basically, you know, no subscribers, no traffic, no money, nothing. And I didn't know anyone in the industry. I was starting from scratch. So I had nothing to bring to the table. And I worked really hard and I got um, a guest posting opportunity on Copyblogger. And it was about um, different books that are worthwhile for entrepreneurs and, and business owners and bloggers to read. And so one of the books that I listed there was The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. Now that's a nice thing to do for Guy, not because I was trying to suck up to him, just because it's, you know, it's a genuinely good book. But as a result of that, I got an email from Guy a few days later saying, hey, thank you very much for featuring my book on your list. And I was just, you know, oh my God, I got an email from Guy Kawasaki. And he goes on and says, you know, I've got another book coming out soon called Enchantment. How about if I send you a copy? Maybe you could write a review or something. I was like, hell yes, absolutely. Now, here I was, you know, I kind of, I did something nice for someone. And, you know, obviously I did a lot of nice things for a lot of nice people. And this is the one that kind of panned out. And that's fine. You know, what goes around comes around, but in a very indirect way. So it's not like, you know, yeah, just do something nice for one person. They'll do something nice back for you and you're all set. But the point is do, do nice things for a lot of people. But when something comes back, put 110,000% into being amazing at it. So I was like, yes, I'd love to write a review. And, you know, so I, I got the book and I read it and I studied it. I spent like 20 hours reading the book, marking it up so I could like do the best interview I could possibly do. And he sent an email a few weeks later saying the book's coming out soon. If you want to schedule, if you want to do an interview or a podcast or something, reach out, let me know. This was not an email to, you know, Danny Eney, his good friend. This was an email to everyone on his media list. Right? Like that offer was intended for the editor of the New York Times more than it was intended for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, yes, I would love to do an interview. Let's do it. And I had to chase a little bit because, you know, he's very busy and, and, you know, I was not important at all. But he agreed. I was like, well, the only time I can do it is this day at uh, 9 p.m. So we can do it then, you know, after his hockey practice or something. And I was like, yeah, no problem. And I'm in Montreal and he's in California. So this was midnight, my time. But I crammed, I prepared for that interview, I recorded the interview with him, um, really worked hard to make it the best interview that I could. Um, it was a good interview, I think he enjoyed it. Um, it went uh, live on my blog and was read by probably 14 people. <laughs> but <laughs> this was an interesting story, you know, how I, I got this interview with Guy Kawasaki, even though nobody knew, knows who I was. So I reached out to ProBlogger, which is a much larger blog, I said, how about if I write a post about how to land big authorities? And I told this story 
and plugged his book on ProBlogger to, you know, the 170,000 people who read it. I sent him a note saying, hey, by the way, you know, I just did that. You know, just wanted to give a little push to your book because I really appreciate your being the effort to do the, the interview with me. And I kept, every time something came to me, I was like, how can I do more? How can I contribute more? How can I, you know, and each of these things took many hours and lots of work. And sometimes you're going to do this on a trail and it's going to run dry. You know, you're going to put yourself out there and put in those 10 hours and that's as far as it went. But if that's the way you're looking at it, then that's as far as it went in a very narrow context. It's because you're looking at it, you know, well, nothing else happened in the next two weeks. If you wait a month or six months or a year or three years, the further out you look in terms of kind of measuring was it worthwhile, the more likely it is that it will have been worthwhile because people notice even, you know, maybe there's nothing guy can do back with me at that point, right? That doesn't mean he didn't notice and appreciate it. It just means, you know, there's other stuff going on in his life, which is normal. Excellent. That's that's so interesting because, well, one, I'm surprised you got an interview if he if, with small traffic, but you ended up on the right list, man, and then you went after it, which is huge. So I think we should probably give a little bit of homework. I mean, can we task people about finding opportunities to help people? Is there is there something, I, I would imagine that's something you teach because a lot of folks are like, okay, yeah, figure out ways to help people, and then they just go eat you know, a Nutrigrain bar, and that's the end of it. They don't really... This episode is sponsored by Nutrigrain. I mean, they don't really, <laughs> they don't really like go and do it, right? So why don't we say each day find one to three opportunities to help people, making their life easier, making their day better. I mean, can you give us an example of that? How you do this? How you systemize this? Yeah, I'll do it. But also, I want to add some structure because it's very easy for people to not do it. Oh yeah, I'm already not doing it, <laughs> and I just learned about it. So the homework is to find, and this is not to do it once, this is to make it a regular practice, a daily practice. Every day, you want to find one to three, you know, three is the max, but you know, start with one, keep it simple. One opportunity to help someone, to make things better for someone. And this could be as simple as reaching out and saying thank you, making their day a little bit better. Could be sending them an article you think they'd be interested in. It could be making an introduction to somebody else. It could be pointing out a problem in their website. It could be it could be a million different things, right? It could be really easy. But here's the problem. It's also a little bit vague. And that doesn't mean we can't solve it. I mean, people listening to this are smart. You know, if they take five minutes to really think about it, they can do it, no problem. But it's the kind of thing you're like, well, I don't have an idea right now. I'll get back to it later. And then later you're busy and you say, well, I'll get back to it later. Later you're busy and suddenly it's bedtime. You're like, ah, you know what? I, I'm not going back to my computer. I'll do it in the morning. And the cycle repeats. So here's the rule. Here, this is the, the challenge for those who choose to accept it. You write yourself a little post-it note that says, do one nice thing for someone. You know, contribute to someone, make their life a little better, a little easier in some way. Put that on a post-it note and stick that on the middle of the monitor of your laptop. And you do that at the end of the day. And in the morning, you're not allowed to take that off your laptop. Basically, you can't start your day oh, awesome. until you've found something you're going to do and said, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, that's so cool. So basically, post-it notes are making you massively effective. Just one post-it note. You don't Just even need a whole thing. different one every day. But actually, yeah, you could reuse it. One post-it note. How's that for a bargain? Yeah. I mean, man, that is a, a really good trick. Like, it, you're not going to forget to look at it because you're going to be trying to check Facebook and Gmail. But if you know that you've got to figure out one to three ways to help one to three people... I mean, that's going to annoy the crap out of me until I do it. It's definitely going to be a good habit to form. If there isn't a better way to form that habit, I'm telling you, 
a post-it note right over my screen. I can't think of anything more irritating that I'd want to get out faster than that. So, of course, it's good for you. It's like eating Brussels sprouts. Right? You, you have to do it, and then eventually maybe you start to like it. And, and you start to like it surprisingly quickly. It feels good because you realize it's not as hard as you think. I mean, people, when they start doing this, are like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. I'm skeptical, but I think it's important. I'm going to put this post-it note on my computer, and you know, I'm dedicating the first hour and a half of my day to finding a way to do this. And by the end of the week, they're like, yeah, this takes about three minutes every day. <laughs> it's like, it's not a big deal. It's usually as simple as sending an email. That's usually what it boils down to. And it can be really quick. And all of a sudden, you're making all this positive impact. You're starting to have these ripples all over the place. And people are really appreciating it. And that's huge. That is awesome. Thanks so much. Is, is there anything I haven't asked that you want to lay down for the audience here? No, I'm, I'm just really excited to have done this. I mean, you know, I, I'm excited by the conversations that can go in directions you didn't expect. And I feel like that happened a lot. That, that's usually the most interesting stuff. That's how we do it here. We, we trick you into thinking it's going to be just terrible. And then when you get here, it's palatable and everyone, we set the bar really low. So it works out well for us. Well, you, you exceeded it by a, by a wide margin. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Danny. And people can find you over at firepolemarketing.com. We'll link that up in the show notes. And, and we've got your book here on the Amazon's engagement from scratch. We'll link that in the show notes as well. And of course, audiencebiz.com, your, your training course that you've got there. And thanks so much for coming by, man. Really appreciate it. A lot of good info here. And yes, maybe we do talk about networking a lot on the show, but let's be honest, most people aren't doing it and it's the highest leverage thing you can do. So thank you for your wisdom in this area. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Great stuff from Danny. How to fake being a good networker, even if you're an introvert. Not quite fake, but... I see what you did there. And why being an introvert has nothing to do with your networking skills. I think that's a relief and also to a lot of people is scary because that's been the excuse you're leaning on for not networking. Of course, how that post-it note trick can make you massively effective. I love that. I, I gotta do that even for myself. And uh, he's got a course called CourseBuildersLaboratory.com. I forgot to mention it during the show, but it's a program that teaches people how to build and sell educational products online. So go to CourseBuildersLaboratory.com if you're interested in marketing some of your ideas. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Show feedback and guest suggestions. Obviously, the show guest itinerary is run by you. We rely on you to help us find the right people for this. So if you enjoyed it, don't forget to thank Danny on Twitter. We're gonna have his Twitter linked up in the show notes as well. And also our bootcamp details at theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. Be sure to subscribe because that's the best way to keep these things coming to your phone automatically. And we have our iPhone and Android apps at theartofcharm.com slash iPhone or slash Android they're both free. Hopefully both work well for you. Uh, a little bit of mixed reviews on that Android one. Sorry about that, guys. Special thanks to the Jasons for their help in production of the Art of Charm podcast. And please tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week. Go out there and get social and leave everything and everyone better than you found it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.